you know, I think there's a, a disconnect between the church and missionaries because churches feel like it's their job to write a check and missionaries feel like it's their job to keep the church happy. So to tell these stories about numbers and about conversions and about, you know, the discipleship and, and whatever it is. And so um, we use all this flowery church language to hide the truth, which is that sometimes, a lot of times, long-term missionaries are living very, very ordinary lives. It's funny because we've really created this culture of uh, manipulation in, in missionary circles where we, we say things and we use words and, you know, we use just these, these crazy Christian words that don't mean anything in any other context um, to, to make, to like spiritualize our lives. Did y'all hear that? Oh man, it's going to be on this week. Profane faith. Things are going to get worse before they get better. Got down on his knees and gave his life to Christ. Because Americans are dreamers too. You're not in any moral position to tell anybody how corrupt they are. You should be quiet. Why? Why are our black sons and daughters being treated so badly? This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everyone. Yes, here we go, here we go, here we go. It's your boy, Dan White Hodge. Another week, another time, another place. Um, you know what? This week, uh, I'd like to actually start off with um, some praise, actually. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, the criticalness is still on, but uh, I received several email messages, uh, direct messages this week from some fans, from some, some listeners, and uh, man, they were just encouraging, y'all. Um, I needed that. Those of you who sent it, you know, you're listening probably right now, and I just want to say thank you. You sent it to me on Twitter. Um, talking about how, you know, how much the show has meant to you and what it's, what it's, what it's meant. Um, and several of you sent me some stuff on Facebook, um, some white male pastors who talked about, you know, Hey man, we met back in the day and I just thank you for your work. Um, and so I just want to say, thank you. I really do mean that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, it is not easy to be, uh, to do, to do any of this. I mean, I think, if you learn anything, I mean, this last week, if you're listening to this, you know, fresh and live, or if not, if you listen to this in time, some some other place in time, um, it, it, it this week was the 50th anniversary of the, the shooting, the killing, really, of uh, Martin Luther King. And uh, if we've learned anything, is that America does not like um, Negroes that are disruptive, that are that are not domesticated, um, you know, and. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just, it, thank you. I, I really am. I mean, it's, you know, this past three weeks have just been really rough and they'll continue to be, but there's moments like this, um, that I, I just appreciate. And I just appreciate that this podcast, the work that I've done and the work that others are doing as well is, is impactful. Uh, last week we had uh, Andre and Earl on, and, uh, that was really good. it was a really good time to, uh, just, you know, hear from somebody who, and hear from folks who, you know, out there doing it, man. They're out there in the mix, in the hunt. And, uh, you know, we all have our cog in the wheel in this, in this journey, in this fight, in this, 
you know, movement forward. And for those of us who call ourselves Christians or who those of us connected to faith, uh, it's important that, you know, that we got that support and it, it can be very, very, very lonely. Um, I know my wife and I, we talk about this all the time. Just, you just get tired of beating the drum, right? You just get tired. You get tired of trying to be ally. You get tired, tired of trying to be, you know, uh, a support. You get tired, tired of being the one to have to bring up the difficult conversations to people. And so it's just nice. It's just nice. So again, thank you so much. Very much appreciate it. Um, for those of you new listeners, uh, thank you for logging on and for listening. This is a, definitely a podcast that's been going on uh, since about last August. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe, uh, you know, coming up here on a year. I mean, I know we're still in April, but still. Um, it's, uh, yeah, you can go check out stuff online. We're on, I'm on Twitter, Profane Faith. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we're on online as well. Um, White Hodge Podcast. You go there, or if you forget that, whitehodge.com your central hub to pick up everything so uh thanks again speaking of april man i'm here sitting here in chicago and I, y'all i'm still wearing my big jacket can y'all believe that last night it was snowing <laughs> oh man now it didn't stick it you know but still the fact that it's snowing it's in the low 20 or in the mid uh, i should say the upper 20s but still the 20s in april my grass y'all my grass hasn't even had a chance to to grow to even come out i haven't even gone out there to aerate it yet man because i'm like man i ain't gonna let no no ice get down there and you know ruin what i got so yeah i'm we're just we're just holding on out here in the midwest i know i think i heard up in the twin cities they had like six seven inches of snow like that stuff was for real so um you know man you know just just living in the midwest i keep seeing these pictures in california all y'all folks out there with green plants and and planting stuff y'all out there i'm a little jealous of all that mess so that's all good that's all good i'll just keep my snow and keep my 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 my, my big my big snowshoes on man and my, and my and my big coat on i got my beanie oh man it's crazy but uh, hey you know at least i got a job a full-time job at least you know, I got I, I got a place to stay, right? You know, that's uh, and that's not to knock. I know because sometimes when you say things like that, it's kind of like, but that's knocking people who don't have the job. No, that's not knocking at all. I'm just saying I'm very grateful for what I do have, and so the weather's just something to kind of just talk about and you know go by and all that good stuff. I just find it a trip. That's all. All right, enough of that. This week, y'all, um, man, this guest I have on this week uh, is is on fire, and I'm just gonna say from the get go. Uh, there is some uh, strong language being used. I don't think we said any swear words. No, we didn't. We didn't say any swear words. Uh, but we used very strong language in this. And so, you know, if you got them sensitive ears, you probably want to probably just push pause and just go listen to something, you know, a little more evangelical than this. Because this, is, this ain't, ain't the spot. Uh, uh, or if you have some small kids around or whatever and you're listening to this, you know, pause it, come back to it. Um, but this week, y'all, I have on a very special guest, Jamie Wright. Some of you know her. Uh, she's an author, blogger, uh, mom, wife. Uh, she has written a book called The Very Worst Missionary. Um, and of course, I'll put all this in the show notes. And I had a chance to sit down and talk with her this week in regards to her book and missions and being a white woman and doing missions um some of you may not know that you know when i went to go and get my doctor when i was at fuller i actually was in the school of intercultural studies which um at one point was called called the school of world mission 
And so a large part of my PhD, you know, it was a multidisciplinary PhD in communication studies, uh, sociology and mission theology. And um, it, it uh, you know, a large part of that was was looking at missionary history. And, you know, and it's the study of missions is missiology. And uh, well, I'll put it like this. I have a book coming out this summer, which I'll talk more about. Uh, it's called uh, Homeland Insecurity, uh, a hip hop missiology. Uh, for the post-soul context. And really, I go in on, you know, short-term missionaries. You know that I don't like short-term missions. Uh, I'm not a fan of them. Uh, I'm not, uh, it's this, this industry that has become the missionary movement. It really is a multi-billion dollar industry. So I talk about that in my book. Uh, I present data and research from ethnic minorities who have been engaged by traditional white evangelical outreach organizations uh, and have been affected negatively. Uh, by them. And so that particular book is going to kind of, you know, really challenge the notion of what a missionary is, right? We think of these missionaries, you know, about going out there. But uh, Jamie has also a different perspective on that. And particularly when you think about, you know, quote unquote, who has been reached by the gospel. Uh, so that's my background. So I was very interested when I saw this book, um, you know, and, and uh, her publicist and, and, and publisher reached out to me and I was like, oh man. I have got to have her on the show, and I'm so thankful to have her on this week because we're going to go in and we're going to talk about it. Uh, and I'll, like I said, I'll post the, the link in the show notes for her book. But Jamie is, uh, let's see, in her bio, she talks about it. I love her writing style, y'all, and I'm going to mention that several times in, you know, in, in our conversation. But she says about 100 years ago in 2007, she says she boldly marched out of the suburbs and into the world of Christian ministry, wide-eyed and altruistic as fuck. When I took on the title of missionary, I earnestly thought I'd be called by God to do something amazing in a faraway land. And I thought I was completely unfamiliar with the language, culture, and spiritual climate of Costa Rica. I sincerely thought I would be able to make a difference there. This was in part because I believed the lies I'd been told by the Christian mission machine. That all I had to do was show up, no matter how unprepared or ill-equipped, and God would do the rest. And that if only one person was helped, encouraged, or quote-unquote blessed in some way, then it will be all worth it. Woo-hoo, doggies! That's a conversation worth and ready to have, right? And I know we're at that era now, right? It's like, what is the type of evangelical mess that's being, you know, proportioned out cafeteria-style in some of these communities and not just some of these, you know, far out countries, even though that's, that's where a large, you know, that's where uh, Jamie went, but also domestically. And that's really where, you know, my book Homeland Security is taken up as domestic mission. Now she's talking about the international stuff and I'm 300% with her on that because at the end of the day, uh, that's a mess as well. So, uh, it is, it's, and it's a big mess. It's a big dumpster fire. Um, and I know some of you may be listening to that and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm not against, outreach and going not even well not even that language outreach i'm i am i'm not against people going and learning like taking a learning trip where you are the learner you are the student you're not in control you are not in power you are not here to paint somebody's fence or build some adobe or something like that i you you are the learner i'm not i'm not i'm all for that i'm not against that i'm all for that i think people should be doing that i think people should be engaged and learning more because we do, we have a sincere cutoff between white America and those who are impoverished, even including those upper middle-class white people who don't have a clue about who the poor white people are. Right? So I'm all about going and learning, but working with that community, 
you know, I really, uh, I like what uh, World Vision has done and that they are just starting to go and ask folks like, what do you need? <laughs> There's a novel thought, right? What do you actually need? Let us not show up into this country or this community and just start saying like, oh, you need this and you need that. No, 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 no. What is it that you really need? So uh, there's some mess out there. And I think because things have been so commercialized and commodified, it has turned into this, this ongoing, maddening, racialized, genderized, classized, because really you got to have money if you're going to go raise money to do that, especially if you're going to go do it for a long time, right? It's just a mess. And so I am. I am about dismantling that and deconstructing that. Um, you know, one of the organizations I am uh, a part of is the, uh, what is it, American Society of Missiologists, ASM. And, you know, we go every year and good people, great papers, great some good research that is happening. But, man, it continues to be just white and it continues to be white and older. It's rare to have somebody young show up and to think about, okay, how do we think about quote unquote missions in the 21st century? And he just, even that word, right? That's so colonistic missions. I'm missions like just dang near the crusades, right? Oh my goodness. So I won't steal any of Jamie's thunder because man, she, uh, she brings it. And uh, we have an amazing conversation just around her life, how she came uh, to Christ, how she, uh, that journey, what that journey looks like. Uh, I love Jamie's answer, which I'm not going to give away. Uh, you'll have to listen. I love Jamie's answer about when I ask her, like, you know, what's next? I love that answer. So you'll, you'll, you'll check that out here in a few minutes. So uh, she is a blogger. Uh, she's a writer. She is a speaker. Um, uh, you can check her out on her website. Uh, you can check her book out as well. And uh, I'm just excited to have her on the show to talk about these things because these are important things. These are important things about our time because that machine is still going. Um, and I get a lot of those missionary kids that show up and they're in my class and they look at me like, whoa, I had no idea this was, this was going on. And I'm like, exactly, exactly, exactly. So without any further ado, I bring to you, Jamie. Um, and, uh, you know, check it out. Like I said, sensitive ears may want to go and, and listen to something else or like i said if you got kids around put that on pause but it is, is a really good conversation uh that is very much needed at this time and place check it out when you talked about it and you were talking about it in your book i was like oh my gosh this is this is really good so I, that's cool i, love I would it. love to see that it's awesome all right levels sound good you sound good all right i think we'll we'll go ahead and get started there we are Great. recording perfect all right well, Jamie, welcome to uh, Profane Faith. It's good to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So um, I want to get to the book. Uh, this is an amazing book, The Very Worst Missionary. I love the title. Uh, but as I do with every guest who comes on the show, I'd love if you could share a little bit about just uh, who you are in terms of where you came from. How did you, in your faith journey, arrive to where you're at right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I actually wrote a whole book about it, so <laughs> I will summarize very briefly. Yes, but um, yes. Yeah, I just, I honestly had a really, I think I had a kind of an unusual faith journey. I, I was raised mostly Jewish until, you know, like when I was a young kid, and then um, in my, at some point during my childhood, when I was around eight or nine years old, that sort of fell by the wayside. My family just sort of stopped being Jewish, and um, kind of just didn't, I didn't have a faith and so kind of fell into my adolescent years as a wild teenager doing lots and lots of stupid things and, you know, just doing all kinds of crazy stuff and um, being an idiot. And then, um, you know, ended up getting pregnant and getting married as a teenager and um, desperately needing 
some sort of guidance, right? Something mm-hmm. to help me live my life because I was, it was chaos and I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I'd always been taught, um, or I just kind of grew up in an environment where I learned that, um, Jesus was like a crutch. Jesus was a, was a crutch for people who didn't know how to live or mm. didn't know, couldn't make their own decisions. And, um, that Jesus was for people who were weak and, and, didn't know how to lead themselves and whatever. And I, as a 19 year old with, you know, a toddler on my hip and a, and a husband at home, I didn't know how to love. And, um, I desperately needed a crutch. And so, um, I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll go meet Jesus. And I went, walked into a suburban evangelical suburban church, like the big kind of beige, you know, you know, the one. And, um, (laughs) and I, I met Jesus there, um, and kind of, fell super hard into the evangelical lifestyle, you know, the like white upper middle class evangelical church, got the haircut and wore the denim and (laughs) took my, you know, had my kids and we just did the soccer mom minivan thing (laughs) for for a minute there. And then as I really got to know who Jesus is, like what, how Jesus lived his life on earth and the things that he talked about and the way that he came alongside people and who he came alongside and um, I just really started to look around and go, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that this is the church Jesus would go to. <laughs> um, and I just had all these questions. And so really started this journey of questioning what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus and, um, ended up, <laughs> um, deciding to become a missionary. Mm-hmm. So ironically, I was sort of falling out of love with evangelicalism and, at the same time thought, well, I'm just going to move to another foreign, uh, you know, another country and do it there, which is so stupid. And, you know, so moved with my, my husband and three boys, my three sons to Costa Rica, where, um, I fell into a system that was basically a, a broken system of a broken church and really just was like, what have I done? Like I'm a missionary and missions is kind of a clusterfuck and I'm here. So what do I do with that? What do I do with that information? Yeah. Um, started writing about it online and here we are <laughs> wow 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 i mean that's uh i mean yes that, <laughs> the evangelical <laughs> process i mean uh absolutely i mean been there and seen that what um i mean i think about this book i mean what prompted you i mean it's it's i mean i love the way it's laid out the way you write and it's i mean there's so many puns i mean i feel like there's it's it's, it's like almost watching a, a comedy film it's like you know you got another <laughs> thing coming around the corner um, what, uh, what prompted you to get into, get into this and how did that happen? I mean, you said, I know you said you have the blog and, you know, for the listeners, I'll post all of this stuff in the show notes. Um, but, uh, what, what, what was it? I mean, what, 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 what got you to say, okay, I'm going to do this book. I'm going to sit down and put these X amount of pages together. Mm. Well, to be honest, I do not, I'm not like a writer. I'm not a writer. <laughs> it's not like a, I set out when I was nine years old to write a book and, you know, like sometimes I feel like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm living somebody else's dream life. Um, and I'm, you know, super appreciate it and I love what I get to do, but, um, I really fell into it when I was overseas because I was such a mess in my life. I was super depressed, didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to, you know, get dressed. And I thought, well, I will stay home and I will write the newsletter like a good little missionary. I will write the newsletter right back home. And, um, then I realized I could write a blog and it's way easier. Like it's just, then I didn't have to send all those mass emails because at the time, you know, they'd all get sent back. It was a pain. So it was such a pain in the ass that I was like, I'll just start blogging and, um, and just sort of realize that, Oh, I can, I can do this. I can write. And, um, 
and that it sort of snowballed. People were kind enough to share it and it, it grew a, a readership. And, and then when you get, once you get a readership, then like agents and publishers are like, where's your book? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's sort of like the natural progression of it all, but I'm not, I'm not a natural writer. So it took me a very long time. I mean, I, years, years. Oh, oh man. Well, I mean, again, I mean, having read it, I mean, I love the way the chapters are laid out. You talk about, you know, Jewish uh, chapter four, you got a butt hair milkshake love story. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that happened. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, would, would you, I mean, let's, I mean, I'd love to even just start there. I mean, obviously you've talked about your story um, a little bit here, but I'd, I'd love to just start there with, you, you know, you open up with Brett Williams and sprinkled butt hair in my milkshake. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. What, um, what was going on as you were putting even, like, you know, starting here at chapter four, what was going on for you? Um, you know, that was like in the middle of my just broken adolescence. I was a wild child, you know, at, at 14, I just decided I could be whoever I want. I can do whatever I want. And I, um, went out and bought like a leather biker jacket and put on some steel toed boots and, um, started to exert my power, like this, the power of my sexuality and, yeah. you know, dab dabbled in drugs and, and did a lot of fun things. Um, that cost me a lot, I think personally, like internally. And, mm. and so I was in the midst of sort of, you know, trying to be a badass in order to cover the fact that I was in fact very fragile and <laughs> needy. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, this one night I'm in the di in a diner with all my punk ass teenage friends and I went to the bathroom and came back and they all, they're all looking at me, you know, like that, like, Oh, they did something like they're fucking with me. I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're fucking around with me. So, <laughs> I had this milkshake and I was like, you know what? They, they put Tabasco. I bet they put Tabasco in it. So I just like dove in, right? Like I'll show you guys. I don't care. Right, right, dove right. in. Like I drank that milkshake. Like it, my life depended on it. And, um, it was butt hair. It was butt hair <laughs> that one of the guys had like yanked, you know, butt hair off his furry, furry oh. ass cheek. And oh. yeah, yeah. Um, and I was so mad at him. He was my ride. Like he was, I was rode there with him and I was so mad. I was like, I'm not getting your car. And, um, just walked across the parking lot and got in somebody else's car <laughs> and ended up marrying that guy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> that is a trip. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, and as, as you were going, I mean, I'd love to talk just for a minute on the teens. I mean, what spirituality, what kind of aha moment was there? I mean, for you in, in that, I mean, cause you know, everybody, especially in the evangelical circles, there's always, right, there's the story, there's the testimony, there's the come to Jesus moment. I love that you said I was doing a lot of fun things and stuff. And it's just like, man, I, I, I hear that because mm -hmm. there, there, is, there is that element, right? I mean, yeah. was there, I mean, was there, and you know, connections with that? Were there, like, moments where you, like, look up and be like, huh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? Or, huh, maybe, I mean, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have or you should have. I'm just saying, like, what, what was maybe that process like mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. you know, in, in your teens and, and, and whatnot? Sure. I would say, I mean, I, I kind of refer to it as I, during my teens, I really had like a, a sort of moral bankruptcy. <laughs> like I just didn't care. It didn't matter to me. I didn't think that these things held any weight. Um, I didn't think that anything that I was doing would affect me or I didn't really think, oh, I'm actually controlling the, the path of my life <laughs> with these decisions. Um, and so in retrospect to go, oh, all of the things that led to me being at that diner and that at that time of night and drinking that butt hair milkshake and how that led to my, to, to the guy that I would get pregnant with and get married. And, and you know, it all led to the next thing. Um, I just wasn't thinking about it. I was just trying to survive, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that, that was it. I, there wasn't a lot of like spiritual or eternal or even like, 
future in my thought process. It was just like, well, what's what's the next fun thing for me to do? Right, 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 right. And then, um, I mean, any, shy from coming out and saying, okay, what the, the conversion story? I mean, I'll just, I mean, for for folks, but I'd be just curious, like. I mean, I know for me, it was like I had like this dream and this vision and then like there was like this revival and stuff. And so like and I'm assuming we're in similar age. It sounds like 80s, 90s. If I put some Mm -hmm. of the math together um, Mm -hmm. and I'm in my mid 40s. And so I imagine we uh, we we had similar similar events and in in high moments. I still remember rotary phones and 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 pay phones. So anyway, I mean, I'd just be curious, um, like, what that moment was like. I mean, I think I, I think it's important for several reasons. Um, just one, just to, like, make some of those connections. And then just for folks, you know, particularly listen to this, I mean, because I wanted the next point I want to get into is, like, evangelicalism and then where you were mm-hmm. at when you, you know, particularly good Christian, you know, chapter 6, um, and then getting into the church. So I think it's just important to like, kind of talk about that journey and that those nuances, if you will, um, of faith. Mm-hmm. I think... I love people who have like a moment, like a conversion, like they're like, oh, I had this, there was a single moment that I remember that that was the moment that I like met Jesus and my life changed forever. Um, And I do not have that. Excellent. And I know some people like will say, oh, your salvation depends on that. Like I know some people that are like, you're not a Christian if you didn't have that moment. And honestly, for me, my whole, my whole life has been a process. I mean, well before I met Jesus was a process that process began like when I was an infant and the the family I was born into and the first religion I was raised in and I mean it all was this process of learning like about God and the universe and my my place in both and um and so when I walked into a church and was introduced to this figurehead of Jesus and to his teaching and um it was really like a falling in love, Hmm. you know, it was like the way you fall in love, like this massive excitement and this huge interest. And I couldn't stop thinking about you. Like, it was just like that feeling of like, I miss this when I'm not thinking about it. I want to be a part of this. I want to be at church. I want to be serving. I want to do all all these things. So excited to be a part of it. Um, you know, and then as that honeymoon phase sort of wore off and I was really able to kind of look around and see what I was, participating in, I think I had to make decisions and I'm still doing that. Like to this day, it's been this process of figuring out like, where is God in this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, how do I, how do I stay, how do I cling to God and let all of the bullshit fall away? Yeah. And so it's just, I feel like I'm still, I'm still in a process, a conversion process or a redemption moment or, you know, like it's still happening. I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out or, or trying to figure it all out. I love what you say here on page 59. I mean, you, you say, it took me a little while to learn the special language and the secret codes <laughs> of churchiness. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, when I read that, I was like, oh, man. I mean, because, oh, you know, my, my background, I'm a communication guy. So looking at the discourse and the language of church, right? I mean, evangelicalism has so many coded words, right? And then you go into... Um, uh, some of the things took a bit longer to figure out than others, like the worship leader cried, lift your voice. Didn't mean my actual voice because I was 95% certain that no one else was singing. The music was so loud it was impossible to tell us for sure, but I could have sworn they were just uh, moving their mouths. What were, what else were some of the, the nuances that you noticed just particularly within evangelicalism, within just being a, like you said, the soccer mom? Uh, mm-hmm. How did that, how did, how did some of those things come together um, for you or just as, as you were, you know, taking notice of that? Yeah. Um, I, I'm an observer. Like I, it's what I do. Like I'm very like, I, 
I talk about this in the book, kind of emulating the people around me, or like I had been. I, it was kind of important to me. I was I would walk into an environment and try to absorb it all and then recreate it in my own life. And so the language, all of those things were super interesting to me because I'd never experienced any of it before. I'd never been to church. I'd never been a part of it. So, you know, fellowship, quiet time, and all of these, like, weird, you know, I, I just, I was like, I don't know what that means, but I guess I need to. And, um you know, like planting seeds and loving on people. <laughs> like normal people don't say these things about life. And um, it just, it, so it was this process of kind of like learning how to use it and, and, and then applying it to literally everything I could, you know, like, oh, because a super Christian uses all of these words and I wanted to be a super Christian. <laughs> That's right. You know? But even things like spaghetti straps, Nobody oh. was, ta- nobody else was talking about spaghetti yeah. straps. Like it was this weird, like nineties <laughs> obs- church obsession yeah. where I was like, Oh, there are different kinds of straps on our tank tops or whatever. Like, yes. you know, because of modesty and all this stuff. And it was all so new to me. Um, and weird, but like, I love, I kind of loved that process of like taking it all in and I felt like I was learning and, um, and then using how to learn it felt like that's how you become a Christian is you learn yeah. how to talk like one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go into that. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, the good Christians conform to these rules without question. And then they talked about maturing in their faith. I mean, I'd be curious too, just on the gender question. Um, uh, so I, I follow this, this great person on, on Twitter, Jessica Valenti. She wrote a book called um, uh, The Myth of Purity. And uh, it's written from, you know, a non-religious perspective, but yet it involves so much about religion and just how much of sexuality, you talked about owning your sexuality, I mean, I, that's, this, is, this is powerful stuff because I think so much of sexual immorality is placed back on women. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like you said, the spaghetti strap, I, mem- I, mem- I remember that because I was on Young Life staff, we're taking kids to camp, this is in like 96, 97, <laughs> and I remember it coming up, it actually was a memo that somebody had sent out and was like, you know, spaghetti straps, you can't have that, and you can't do that. And it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, but at the time, I was so fundamentalist that I was just like, oh, yeah, you know. And so I'd just be curious to know how gender, how you saw it, particularly from a woman's perspective, and how you interpreted some of those things, because there is so much of that just bombardment, if you will, um, of a certain normative as it, it pertains to sexuality. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting for me, I think, um, walking into the evangelical church as a young woman with, um, I, I was a teenage, I was a teen mom, an unwed teen mom. And I mean, I got married, but, um, there was a sense of shame about that, that I had not experienced outside of the church really. (laughs) You know, it was just like there, there's this weird obsession with like where, girls vaginas have been and who's touched them and what they've done with them and like it was very odd to me that um you know that 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 was like this thing of this moment of shame that I should be like ashamed or um or whatever I was a kid like it's it it just whatever um and I and I think there's this and that obsession with like virginity and purity um that was interesting for me because I didn't grow up in that I certainly didn't live that way as an adolescent um, but I did become a youth leader, and so absolutely yes. engage, engaged in that conversation. I absolutely, you know, leaned that direction, like modesty, ladies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like let's wear our t-shirts over our bikinis on the houseboat trip because it totally makes a difference if your wet t-shirt is over your bikini or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like I absolutely like fed, like bought into that. Um, mentality, but because it, because I thought that's what we were, I thought I was supposed to be following the rules. 
I thought the rules made me a Christian. Yes. <laughs> um, and to follow the rules, to the be- the person who follows the rules to the most whatever is the best Christian. And so I, I really had to kind of come to grips with the fact that um, God doesn't give a shit where my vagina's been. He <laughs> does not care. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I mean, I think that's so f- interesting. I mean, this is one of the things. Um, so in one of my classes, uh, we I was showing, you know, the film Her, uh, looking at relationships and just how we communicate via blah, 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 and technology. And so, you know, I popped in to the scene when, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie. But, it's uh, on my list. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's uh, For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, it's about a guy who falls in love with his uh, operating system. Um, and he's trying to find these relationships. It's a future-oriented type of film. But uh, one scene, you know, they proceed to have sex. And uh, it's interesting because it's done verbally. I mean, and so to do that and to have that in the, in, in the scene, and, and Scarlett Johansson is the voice of the, of, of the operating system, but I was noticing just how uncomfortable my students were getting I, I, and, and just how wiggly and, to, you know, to offset that people started, you know, cracking jokes. And I just noticed the kind of the volume going up. And so, I, you know, I stopped the film. And I was like, you know, let's process that. and Let's talk about it. And it just it's interesting just to see the amount of women who didn't say anything when, they, you know, it came to that. And then the men who were talking about, you know, and they try to play it off and stuff. So, I, I mean, oh, man, you said a mouthful. I mean. <laughs> God, <laughs> and what we've told women, uh, I think, is powerful. How do you think some of those things have carried over into missionary work and and missions? Um, you know, I went to Fuller for uh, for my grad school program, so it was like, uh, you know, we had a whole class on missiology, the study of mm-hmm. missions, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, out there reaching the world. So I'd be curious to just know how gender affect that. And then, of course, the intersectionality of that, you've mentioned several times in your book about being white and a female. So I'd be curious to see what your what your take on that is, particularly with missions. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, you know, it's so interesting. Missions and th- there's a weird dynamic in the missions world because um, on one hand, you have married missionaries in which um, a, ma- a man is the mission. The man is the missionary, and his family is there to support him. Right? His wife comes as a support to his work, and his family is dragged along as a support to his work. Um, and you have this other dynamic where women aren't allowed to lead in the church in the U.S., and so they become missionaries elsewhere. That's a, that's the way that they can serve at unmarried women. So they leave churches in the U.S. and go all over the world um, so that they can serve as missionaries. So it's a very there are some very weird um, gender dynamics in missions for sure. Um, I'm not, I'll just be honest. I'm not yes. really well versed in like feminism and, um, the racial conversation. I'm super interested in it and it's super important to me, but I'm not good at it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, and so I see that, I see that these things and I'm just like, I don't know how to talk about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's absolutely something that you see. And then because we are exporting this like colonial church, this, um, white m- upper middle class evangelical view of church, we are just recreating it all over the all over the world. So we're building these little suburban, you know, little American suburban churches all over the planet, where the pastor is the head and the wife is his support and his helpmate, and the families come along, and and it's you know, so it's definitely this thing that we're exporting, or not we, but the evangelical ch- church is exporting, um, 
And then at the same time, they're like, oh, but we'll take all your single women, your single leaders, like these really brilliant women who have something to say in the U.S. and who yeah. should be leading us and teaching us. And, and the church is exporting them because we won't refuse to give them positions of leadership. <laughs> um, and so it's, it is. It's just this weird mess. Yeah. And it's all because of, yeah, patriarchy and gender dynamics. It's weird. Get it? No, absolutely it is. Absolutely. I mean, um, so, you know, in your book, you talked a little bit about, well, not a lot, you talked a lot about, about uh, <laughs> Costa Rica um, mm -hmm. and what that looked like. I mean, can you talk just a little bit about, you know, what that what that was like? I mean, again, you know, not, we want people to go buy the book. I'll put the link in here and all that good stuff. But what was... What uh, I love the way you described it about, you know, your husband. Oh, well, I'm, I think I'm forgetting the quote about him stepping across and, and getting in like, oh, like a hot chick goes to Coachella or something like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's <laughs> killing me there, man, Coachella. <laughs> um, but I'd be curious uh, just how how that was, because, you know, you you were there, you had kids, he's involved. What, what, what would that what did that look like um, for you? What was going through your mind and, and, and all that? Let's, if we can start there. That sure. That was actually a huge part of my um, realization that there was something wrong with missions was that my husband was like, hey, here I am. I'm good at this. <laughs> you know, like su he's super hardworking, um, very self-motivated, doesn't have like the perfectionism issues that kept me from wanting to speak Spanish. Like he just dove in, didn't care that he sounded like an idiot. Didn't care. Like he just <laughs> dove in and people loved him for it. And so he was immediately just sort of like welcomed into the culture and into the, the community and just, he was very natural. And, um, you know, as far as missionaries go, I'd say he was like definitely on the, the good end of the spectrum. Um, and I got there and was like, totally overwhelmed, totally fell into depression, mm. um, major anxiety, didn't want to engage, didn't want to speak Spanish, didn't want to leave my house, um, just kind of fell apart. Mm. So he was getting up in the morning and going out and doing this, like well, the, the work or whatever you want to call it. And I was staying home <laughs> and I could put on Facebook like, oh my gosh, it's pouring today. My, my backyard is flooding. Oh, all this rain, hashtag Costa Rica. And people would like line up to tell me, Oh, you're so, you're so amazing. It's so great that you're there. Costa Rica is so lucky to have you. Wow. I was literally, I was doing nothing. Like maybe <laughs> I hadn't left my house in four days, but people from the U S were just like, Oh, thank God you're there. Costa Rica is so lucky that you came to Costa Rica to save Costa Rica. It was so stupid. And I was just like, okay, so there's no accountability. Yeah. Nobody knows what anybody's doing. Yeah. The only people in the mission field that are doing anything are, are the very few that are like, like Steve was out there. Um, and the rest are like me. And so we're spending billions of dollars with a big fat B every year on sending, you know, on, on supporting people all over the world. And a very large number of them are not doing anything. Mm. And we're still just patting them on the back and telling them how awesome they are. So, you know, it was it was such an interesting dynamic, um, you know, seeing how that worked and how I literally I didn't have to do anything and people would pay me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you said it. I mean, billion. I mean, this is this this is a, a system, right? I mean, it's, it's a <laughs> network. I mean, when you think about the it's an industry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you mentioned that. I mean, I mean, maybe share a little bit about that. I mean, because you're right. It is an industry. It is this kind of mm -hmm. conceptualization of. What we sell, fundraisers, T-shirts, DVD. Well, people in a DVD, they're streaming. But nevertheless, I mean, they, mm -hmm. 
it is a whole marketplace. So I'd be mm-hmm. curious how, yeah, you've engaged that and just, you know, from, you know, from then, you know, how you've, you know, looked at that and engaged with that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it is, we're talking about a, f- a $50 billion a year industry and people don't want to talk about it like that. They don't want to quantify it. They don't want to try and measure it. They don't want to say, because we have created a whole entire industry in which lots of people are getting rich on the backs of poor people and calling it church or calling it good, calling it in the name of Jesus. And it's all on the backs of like, we're going to show up in, in impoverished countries or in impoverished communities and sprinkle around a little tiny bit of fairy dust and then go home and, and, you know, celebrate our victories or whatever. Mm. Um, but there are organizations and churches and leaders and writers, I mean, all kinds of people who are making so much money on this industry. And you're not seeing the world change the way people imagine that it is, mm. right? That's an imaginary thing. We're, if we're spending $50 billion a year on making the world a better place, yeah. then guess what? The world should be a better place. But when you refuse to put quantifiable language to it, when you say, oh, it's missions, (laughs) mission, that word does not mean anything. And no industry should be run like that. Like no business. There's no business in the world where you can just go, oh, I ran out of money. Will someone give me more? And then people will, except for missions. (laughs) That's uh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I'd be interested, too. I mean, there's been a couple of reports, uh, research reports that looked at. Uh, the funding of missions and uh, what the, they found is particularly white males uh, are able to just to raise. I mean, they outraise Latinx and African-Americans, you know, easily five to one, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why there is a lack of, of you know, African-Americans in particular and Latinx people, you know, in positions of power that, you know, that run some of these organizations because mm-hmm. they're just not able to get the money. They don't have the networks. They don't have the legacy. They don't have the history. Uh, but when I think about some of these budgets, um, and you know what's what's in there. I mean, and and you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot of these folks. This is what part of the main thing that drew me to this book was that it it really reveals a lot of this. You know, in this I don't I don't want to say comical, but there is definitely a lot of comedy in there. <laughs> but your life is funny. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, you talk a lot about the club and you know dissent and people who do who show dissent. You know, you don't do that. I mean, that's. Ooh, Jamie, I don't know. You you getting a little little Marxist there uh, 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 <laughs> on me and stuff. Um, how is that? You know, how was that received when you started first started asking questions and uh, first started pushing back? What was that? What did that look like? You know, for a woman to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, when, initially, the, like when I first started really telling the truth online about like, hey guys, I think maybe. <laughs> maybe this isn't perfect. (laughs) Like maybe this isn't always great. Maybe this is weird. Maybe a lot of missionaries are super big fucking weirdos and shouldn't be out in the field. Um, like maybe these things aren't amazing as amazing as we think. Um, there was definitely pushback, right? There's, and there has been this over all the years that I've been doing that. Um, we lost some monthly supporters, just a handful, like not a lot, but, um, monthly supporters who were like, we can't get behind you unless you're you know, whatever, playing the game, right. talking the talk and doing all the stuff. Um, but the, the response of like the evangelical church is so fascinating to me because they, what they, they either discount you as a human being. Like they'll just say, well, who are you? Who are you to ask these questions? Like who, who decided you get to open your mouth? <laughs> right. Like that's, and I'm, and it, 
it took me a little while to realize that when you ask someone that, you're really, you are only asking that because you believe the answer is nobody. Yeah. Like yeah. you're nobody. You're not worth it. You're not worth my, your opinion doesn't matter. And, um, and I found that, well, super offensive. Um, and also just wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like I'm out here living this. So guess what? I get to talk about it. Um, and then the other thing they do is they say, well, if you don't have, you're not offering solutions, if you don't have solutions, then shut your mouth. There you go. Yes. I know. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I I, I'm sorry that I don't know how to fix this giant problem, but <laughs> I can definitely see that there is one, and I'm going to keep saying that out loud. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're right. I mean, and that's I mean, that's even I mean, even the current era that we find ourselves in, right? It's like, you know, I get that a lot when I get asked to speak or go someplace. It's like, oh, well, then what are the problems and everything? I was like, dude, this is, I mean, Trump was not a surprise to people who are of color, man. It's like, this is, he's just the first uh, white president. It's just like, shoot, he, you know, he's just standing in what Reagan just was too shy to maybe stand in and stuff. So, but I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, where then would you say in terms of like where you're at like now, I mean, how do you think, particularly with just the way the U.S. in particular, it, it, there's kind of this, this churning, if you will, with, with evangelicalism right now. A lot of people are disassociating. I know I handed my divorce papers to evangelicalism, you know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> there you go, exactly. So, but that makes, I find that that makes so many people uncomfortable when you tell them that. Mm. So I'd be curious, like, how do you think the current era um, with who's in, the, who's in the White House affects that? And then in turn, affects missionary? Because the other question I want to ask you is about the Great Commission. But uh, uh, let, me start, let, me, sure. let me start there. I think that the the one, if you could even say that there is anything good coming from Trump's presidency, I think that the one good thing is that it is creating a very clear line between evangelical churchianity and people who are actually Christians following Jesus. Yeah. Like, I can point at you and say you are not following Jesus, and not that's not I'm not making heart assumptions. I'm not whatever. I'm all that stuff. But like, it is really easy for me to say. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to be in the same, I don't want to be identified with you. I don't, you know, and so I think a lot of people who have struggled with that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the church. I don't want to leave the church. I don't want to, I love Jesus, but I don't like what the church is doing. I think it's giving a lot of people permission to say, uh, uh, I'm not evangelical. Right. Right. You like racist, homophobic, misogynist, a-holes, you go do your quote unquote church thing over there. And the rest of us will be in the thick of it, working through this tension and this awkwardness and this pain um, and, and trying to find ways forward. The rest of us will be doing real church or, you know, we'll be the body of Christ yeah. um, struggling to make it work over here. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, if anything good can come out of it, yes. that's what I'm hoping for. Yes. Well, I mean, I think the you describe it so well. I mean, I don't, I, you, I think you name it a couple of times, but it's just, it's, it's the messiness, right? It's the messiness of faith that has not come out, right? Has not been seen. I mean, you see it in spots, but I think that we're, you know, we're seeing some of that. Like, you know, when you get somebody, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, Obama, it paid off a porn star, right? You know, and not that that's against her, like, you know, whatever she's doing, hey, that, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. her business, but how evangelicals hold, right? The sanctity of marriage, and, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, the most controversy Obama had is he what he wore a you know a white suit one time and that was you know that was that was about it and so, but if you can imagine right I mean it's like there's some crazy you know double standards here as it pertains to that. Mm-hmm. 
and so thinking of that, I'd love to ask you just what do you think then? Because as I was growing up, and particularly when I was at Fuller, you know, the Great Commission, the Missio Day, was brought up a lot. The mission of God. What is your interpretation then of that? What is your interpretation then of the Great Commission in people who use it as a defense to say, well, we must go to foreign nations. We must go out there and bring the gospel to them. What, mm-hmm. where, where, are you, where are you at on that? I'd love to hear your perspective. Okay. Here's the deal. Okay. If you think that that is your job, right? If you think that the, tr- the mission of the church is to go out into unchurched nations and bring the gospel or share the Bible or introduce them to Jesus, then you need to do some research and gather some data and find out which of the handful of nations on the planet are unchurched and maybe go there. And you know what? You're not going to want to because it's it's not going to be comfortable for you. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be vacation. It's not going to be in any one of the number of like, ideal ideal paradise spots that we send missionaries to if you believe that that is your job and that that is the the purpose of the great commission is to go then then quit going to africa which is a largely churched like a a christian continent full of seminaries and brilliant leaders and great churches and people who are loving one another like stop showing up in nations that are already doing that work but you know what? Nobody wants to do that because nobody wants to go to Saudi Arabia and bring the church or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, man, I mean, and that's I mean, I think that's a that's a great statement. I'm with you 300 percent. I think the challenge is, like you said, there's so much money involved. Right. There's mm-hmm. uh, there's legacy involved, which is always mm-hmm. a big thing. Um, and then, of course, you've got folks who are thumpers, right? Bible thumpers who, you know, will insist that this is the mission of God. Um, oh, man, I, I got a couple of ideas or a couple of thoughts that, that go through my head. So I'm a part of a guild um, called the American Society of Missiologists, ASM. And so I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. Mm-mm. Okay. And they're, so they're essentially it's the academic side of mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm nerdy like that. I'm a kind of a, an academic. Head. So it's the nerdy side of, of missions. It's like mm-hmm. so it's like all these folks who write books on mission and everything. And so right. they, they get right. together once a year, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going for a while now. Um, but one of the challenges I've had is just being one of a few domestic African-Americans that are in the audience. And this was a conversation I think I brought up in like 06 and was like, hey, and then, you know, it was, you know, constantly being told, oh, you know, things are changing and, you know, this is great. Here we are 2018. Well, even last year, 2017. And it's like, wait, we're still having this conversation and the hair is getting grayer. And, you know, it's like there's not a lot of women involved, period. I'm just curious, like, what do you what do you think ways forward? I mean, what? What's what's going on now for you? Like what what as as this book has been out, as the the engagement has been out there. What a what and I'm not asking for. So what are you gonna do to fix it? Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not asking that. I'm just saying, what is the entanglement and the complexities that you find yourselves in that you find yourself in right now? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how to like yeah, live my life. Yeah. Right. I'm still trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out how to not buy clothes that were made by slave labor. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to spend my dollars in communities that in, in ways that will be beneficial to the planet. Um, and how to, to love my neighbors and, um, do that in a way that is organic and whole. And I, I don't, I do not know. I don't know. 
the way forward, honestly, mm. admissions to be, if it were up to me yeah. at this yes. point, and yes. I might not agree with myself in 10 years, but, um, <laughs> right now I would light a match. <laughs> I mean, I would just throw a Molotov cocktail through the window of the missions machine and start over. And I would never use the word missions again because yeah. it is not, it, there's not a lot of value there. And I would just start calling it what it is. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Is this a human, if you have a, if you're doing a humanitarian aid effort, then identify what it is, identify the right people to do it, identify why they're the right people, identify, you know, like, let's make it happen, but let's be realistic so that we can actually look at outcomes. We can actually have conversations. We can actually say, Hey, this is this ongoing problem. And we've been seeing it happen for 20 years. If we use real language to talk about it, like right. real words that mean things, um, maybe we can, maybe we can find some solutions together. Um, but right now I'm still, I think the conversation is still pretty fresh for a lot of people. Okay. You know, a lot of people, I think those of us who talk about missions all the time, you and me and your, your smart nerds and my normal people, like we, <laughs> we are so like, well, we've been talking about this forever, yeah. but the church has not. Yes, There's true. millions of people that are still on the fringe of the conversation or just walking into it. And um, I, I feel like hopefully as we engage more and more people and invite more and more people into these this thought process, yes. that that's when we'll really start to find ways forward. Hmm. Man, I mean, that's that's deep. I mean, that I think uh, and I think that's a really good place to to be at, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I, if we could throw the Molotov cocktail and, you know, start over, I mean, I, I would I would be all for that. I mean, let me ask you this, uh, you know, before we wrap it, I'm going to be conscious of our time. Um, but what um, what do you think the effect of some of these, particularly, I mean, we, I mean, I know you said, you know, you didn't talk about right. I mean, but you, you, you in it. I mean, I know you can see some of these things and you're engaged <laughs> with it. What do you think the effect is of, of particularly this white branded missionary Christianity that's being really packaged um, uh, uh, and McDonaldized in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. That's being taken out to not just places like Costa Rica, but like you said, I say that to say this, let me just say this and then I, I would love to hear your answer. So uh, a good a good friend of mine who's, you know, does a lot of work, he's from Sierra Leone um, and he talks about, he's a theologian and he talks about how in Sierra Leone, they don't even, they don't even like their own local theologians, that they crave the European ones, folks who've don't know the context, folks who don't know the environment, but yet they have been so colonized, right? Mm -hmm. I guess mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm getting at. But I'd really love to hear just your thoughts on some of the effects, either racial, gender, ideological. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we have definitely conditioned the world to believe that the white American state, white American missionary is the savior of the world. I mean, we have created a context in which um, communities all over the planet believe that when the white people show up from America, they are helping, like, even when they're not. Like, it, and, and so there's this um, mutual exploitation in which we exploit poor communities to make ourselves feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and then those communities exploit um, naive Americans or na these naive wannabe, you know, wannabe world changers um, to get what they need right, to get, or, or to get what they don't need, to get extra, um, which is fine, but, like, that sense, like, nobody wants to say, oh, they're using us, or we're using them, but, in fact, that's definitely happening, and, and we wouldn't, like, white Americans would never tolerate it, 
they would never tolerate people showing up in their community and being like, I'm going to paint your house for you. But let me tell you about Jesus. Like we would just be like, I, I don't think I'm going to let you do that. Do you know how to paint a house? Have you painted a house before? Who's paying for this? Why are they paying for it? What am like, we would have all kinds of questions. We wouldn't let them touch our children. We wouldn't let them feed us candy. We wouldn't let that. Like we would be like, this is wrong. We're not doing it. And yet, we have conditioned virtually the entire planet to believe that this is okay behavior. So, you you know, I I don't know how to fix that. I don't know. I I know all I know is that it's disgusting, that it's absolutely racist. Absolutely. Um, and that it's like that idea of like coming into impoverished communities and patting people on the head, like, like here we are. Um, when in fact poor people are, just as smart and have just as many like intellectual resources and they know they know how much it costs for you to get on a plane they know how much your shoes cost like they have iPhones a lot of them back at home and they're leaving them at home them at home so that you don't see them their yeah. phones because it's part it's all part of the game um i don't know the healthy way out of that you know i don't know how to how we extricate the bad stuff from the the part of the gospel that demands our care for poor and the orphan and the widow. Yeah. Like, because that is real and that is true. And we need to continue to, um, find ways, healthy ways to, to help people, to help each other. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I just don't know how we like get rid of the toxic parts and how we re recondition or retrain, um, everyone basically yeah. Yeah. to see it differently. Man, yeah, that's the yeah, that's the dang on truth. What um, what uh, so what are you so what are you up to now? What are you what are you engaged with now? What um, where 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 are you and your husband at in terms of just uh, you know, theologically, spiritually, ideologically, worldview? Obviously, yeah. we're in an interesting time uh, here in the U.S. and uh, kind of mm-hmm. really even the genesis of this podcast. I mean, after the 2016 election, I was just like, okay, I gotta I gotta <laughs> do something. That I can have some expression, but I'd be curious to hear, you know, uh, just like, you know, where, where you're at right now. I am, I'm seeking. Yes. (laughs) That's where I'm at. I'm just seeking. I'm seeking God. I'm seeking community. Um, I'm seeking solutions. And, um, so for me, like I, I don't really go to church on a regular basis. I haven't found one that I feel like, I mean, I, there's a tiny one in town that I actually really like a teeny tiny Episcopal church full of, um, little old ladies and a, a, a few of them wear their Trump t-shirts, but that's part of, I think it's part of what I love about it is that they are very messy and, um, the leadership is very progressive and liberal and yet they manage like they are just kind of pulling this community. So I really, I love them. Um, I love seeing what they're doing and I love being there. But um, right now I'm, I'm just leaning into kind of this book and, and yeah. speaking more about these things, um, engaging people in these conversations, the hard parts <laughs> um, especially, and, and just kind of, I don't know, just trying to figure it out, which is such a weak answer, like such a lame, no. like, I don't know, I don't know, guys. I just... But um, 
that's really that's where I'm at. Where I'm at is like I don't know. That's where I'm at. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think I think I wish more people, particularly folks who write, because it's like you know, you think people who write books, people tend to look to you, right, to be like, okay, what's the answer? Tell us, go. And I like that you. I love it that you're able to just to say, I'm, I'm in process. I, 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 I don't know. Um, like I'm literally just a random chick with opinions. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> My book. Is in the is the number. This is really funny. I'm sorry. I just can't stop laughing. My book. It, it, this morning it was um, the number one Christian theology book on Amazon. There you go. See, <laughs> look at that. That's what I'm talking about. Like, there's me at number one, and then there's C.S. Lewis at number seven or something. Like, <laughs> what is happening? The world is upside down. And um, so yeah, I don't I don't know that I'm really the right person to ask. I don't really I don't know. But um, I love. I love these conversations. Yeah. I love being able to sit down and talk to people like you and, and um, your listeners like the, and just say, hey, what what are we doing? Well, and I think it's important because, again, I think that is a good answer because I think that's that's part of the problem we, we've gotten ourselves into. So we've, we've sought out so many experts who've tried to say, oh, do this, and too many eggheads who've been like, oh, well, the statistics say this. It's like, you know, the polls. I mean, 2016 polls, everybody was like, oh, man, Hillary's got it. No, don't have to worry about it. And it's like you show up and it's like, whoa, what the fuck just happened here? And now – this fool mm-hmm. is in, in the presidency, and, and that's just one, right? I mean, so I, I, I love that you're just saying that, and you talk about that in the book. You know, on page 210, he says, about while tearing down things you once loved to make room for something new is never easy. And then you put in parentheses, it's super fucking hard. I love that. Mm-hmm. And we don't hear enough of that, I just want to mm-hmm. say. Um, so last uh, kind of question before we wrap up here. I just, just real briefly, I mean, the title. What, uh, what, what came up with that? What kind of feedback have you gotten on the title of the book, The Very Worst missionary it's eye-catching <laughs> don't get me wrong but i'd be curious just to know what uh what what you landed on or were there other titles for the book that came you know came around um the very worst missionary is like it's the the name of my blog it's it, at this point to be frank it's a brand it's the brand okay yeah right yeah. like um i started i i changed i was writing this blog as like you know the right family in costa rica or whatever dumb thing and and just as this it sort of evolved. And one day I changed the name and I was just like the very, okay, this is, I'm the very worst missionary. And, and the, the thing is that it's so tongue in cheek now because, um, as, as I was sharing from like the bottom of my heart and living in Costa Rica, I was just like, I suck at this. I'm so bad at this. And, and tried to share really vulnerably and honestly, and like, Oh, you guys, I'm so bad. Um, and then people came in, like the conservatives and the evangelicals showed up and they were like, you really are the very worst missionary. <laughs> you said shit on your blog. And like they lost their minds. And yeah. so it's so tongue in cheek. And it's this, you know, and I sort of said this in the book or something like this, that it's really this. It's a question, right? Like, is the very worst missionary the one who is um, saying and doing all the right things, but who's an actual like mess? Um on the inside or is the very worst missionary the one who has questions and doubts and, and is, is a true clusterfuck as a human being, but isn't afraid to just like live in that space. And so, you know, it's just twofold, but, um, I don't know. I just, it, it made sense to kind of keep it as the name of the book and, and see where it goes. No, absolutely. I can, absolutely. And I can, and I can totally see, you know, conservative folks are just folks who are just too buttoned up. You know, being like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, you know, and, you know, just saying mm-hmm. that, and you said shit, and I'm sure there's somebody who's probably even listening, like, oh, they said fuck, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, this was great, uh, Jamie. This has been a great conversation. Where can folks find you at? Where if they want to pay you that $150,000 honorarium for you to come and speak uh, at their event? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. Um, I mean, I'm a missionary, so it's really expensive. That's right. Just kidding. I'm a writer. Um, uh, The Very Worst worst Missionary.com is my website, or you can find me on social media. Um, Instagram and Twitter is... Jamie, the VWM, and on Facebook under The Very Worst Missionary. Excellent. So, no, that's cool. Yeah. And I'll, like I said, those of you listening, I'll put all these things in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for taking time and coming on Profane Faith. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. 